0: athlete podcast where we talk about all things sport fitness and health related that can make you into a well consummate athlete so somebody who's kind of a great all-around can do anything go on a hike go kiteboarding go you know on a hundred mile ride pretty much whatever adventures come up i'm molly herford i write about all things sort of cycling and running and fitness related and also talk on this show
1: and I'm Peter Glasford. I'm a registered kinesiologist and endurance coach. Um, and yeah, we're here back in Collingwood, and we've been... What have, what have our consummate athlete activities included?
0: Oh, uh, well, I've been going through yoga teacher training, as everybody knows. So a lot of yoga for me. It's getting into kind of crunch time for me to do the observational classes that I need to do. So trying to balance taking classes during the week, being at yoga training full-time on the weekend and then trying to still get in some training and stuff. We finally had some nice weather, so I got out on a ride yesterday. Uh, Pro tip for the guys out there, if you jump on anyone's wheel, but particularly a female, yelling wheel does not actually give you the right to then sit on their wheel for 10 miles. Just, Mm. Just PSA.
1: Fair enough, that's a bit of a rant, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we've been in the gym and walking a bunch. The weather's turned nice and spring-like, so my depression from last week has subsided. Um, yeah, we're working on plans here. we got maybe a run coming up here with a couple guys here in town, so we're doing that, and yeah, I was working, we had a class of young ladies, and they all actually asked to stay late last week, and I was really excited about that, and they wanted to work on rope climbing, and we had a bit of obstacle course sort of set up for hopping and sort of uh, stability sort of stuff. So yeah it was it was really cool just seeing people interested in moving and in different types of ways and learning and you know challenging themselves. so that's that's what we're here for. So today we're talking bike packing,
0: yeah. so as we have been saying, as I've been saying in the intro for the last four weeks, I recently went bike packing and became very quickly obsessed, even though I had expressed zero inter less than zero interest in it uh, previously. But I went on this great trip out in Arizona for four days and yeah, so we finally got um, Paul Calandrella on. He works at REI. He's the manager of pretty much their bike division. Um, what I love about that, by the way, is that he does all of the, the bikes, but then also the gear that goes with the bikes. And normally apparel wouldn't count as gear, but in cycling, it counts as the gear. Um, just as far as the arms of the company go, which I love, and we get into it, chamois saddle connection is very important to me, obviously. Um, but anyway, we talk about kind of all things bike packing, and I nerd out on some camping questions that I've been pondering and trying to figure out. We're planning a couple of camping trips coming up. maybe some of them will involve some of the bike packy element, but yeah, it's a cool episode.
1: yeah, it seems to be really popular right now. people, you know, I think just going even packing, you know backpacking mm-hmm. is is sort of. I don't know if it's having a resurgence, but people are certainly, you know, getting outside and doing walking is popular, but then also in the cycling sphere, the gravel riding and bike packing, but just sort of this idea of, you know, taking a bike and riding a variety of sort of mixed surfaces. And, you know, maybe you're gonna extend that and do a big loop or ride, you know, I've proposed that probably the easiest way to get into that is sort of ride to your friend's house and then ride back home the next day or something. Uh, But there's all sorts of forms that that can take.
0: Yeah, exactly. So we kind of talk about all those forms. I like that he's not, you know, immediately like, oh, you need to go into the backcountry and go on these crazy, you know, epic adventures. He's just, you know, he said kind of the same thing about urban bikepacking. So I really really like it. You
1: could do urban. You could also even just probably link together, you know, a a quote unquote car camping type campground recreation area, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, you could bring a tent, but then at least you have some, you know, things like washrooms or, you know, you're not. You know, out in, you know, gonna get eaten by a bear or something necessarily. I mean, I guess it could happen, but probably yeah. me might be more likely at a car camping. I don't actually know.
0: I'm not really sure on the statistics of that. I'm gonna go check, but let's dive <laughs> into the episode. Enjoy, guys. All right, we are here with the director of product strategy at REI, Paul Calandrella. Did I say that right? You did. Yes. All right, that puts me way ahead of my co host who has not yet pronounced the single name. Perfectly to date. Anyway, um, so welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, first of all.
2: Thanks for having me. Excited to chat with you.
0: I'm so excited. So as everyone who listens to this knows, I recently went on one of the REI Adventures bikepacking trips, and I became a bikepacking convert as someone who's been a cyclist for years, but has... I mean, absolutely hated the idea of bike touring of any kind. Uh, So to come back from that and be like, we should do this way more often, is kind of a shocking (laughs) transformation for me. And I hear you're a bit of a cyclist too. So I mean, first of all, let's dive into what the heck your job title means.
2: Sure, um, and I would say it's evolved a little bit uh, as of recently. So, uh, as of the beginning of the year, I've taken on a general manager position uh, within our Co-op Brands business. Okay. Um, Hang and, on, I'm going to pause you and, and say Co-op
0: Brands is the bike arm of REI, correct?
2: Well, Co-op Co-op Brands is anything that we make that is our own own product, and Co-op Cycles, the bike brand, lives within that bigger construct.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So what do you, what do you do? What does that entail?
2: So, uh, anything from, uh, the bike side of our, our private label business now inheriting also the gear side. So I, my domain is basically anything non apparel, uh, that we make, uh, and put our brand on and, then there's one asterisk and that I oversee the cycle apparel piece because we view that as adjacent to the cycle business. But uh, I get the absolute uh, joy of working with our design insights team, our creative teams, our development teams, our merchant teams, our product strategy teams. So the whole, the whole, uh, you know, group of of passionate outdoors people that brings product to life on behalf of the co-op is, is largely my domain.
0: That's awesome, and I can say having met some of them on the design side on that ride, they were amazing to hang out with. And I love that you say apparel is part of the bike because I talk a lot about saddle comfort and, you know, like how to be comfortable in the saddle and stuff, and so much of that comes to the bike shorts. So I think they are definitely, like, important gear, not just clothing.
2: We're right there with you, and especially on a long tour, there's nothing more important than a great chamois, for sure.
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. I have to admit on the bikepacking trip, there was uh there were a couple of people who were kind of new to cycling. They were amazing endurance athletes, but new to yep. cycling. And I had to explain like the no underwear with a chamois and then like how, yeah. how you need to like wash it every night. And it was, <laughs> it was you know, just this hilarious thing of like, oh my gosh, you could, you could totally handle yourself if you were just lost in this desert, whereas I'd be dead in a day. But for riding comfort, that's where my expertise (laughs) comes in. Um,
2: A little bit of learning curve when you enter this unique world of cycling, right?
0: Exactly, exactly. So on that note, how did you enter the wide world of cycling as like an actual cyclist?
2: Well, I mean, I think like many, uh, kids, that was sort of my first sense of freedom. Uh, I had a bike when I was, when I was a little kid and, and rode for fun and, and socially with friends around the neighborhood. But I think, um, you know, like, like many of us went off to college, the car sort of became central to my life, but, uh, started working at a design firm right out of college and my partners in that firm were, uh, were very much road racing enthusiasts. And I grew up in, in Southern Arizona and Tucson. And so there's a pretty, pretty strong road racing and mountain bike racing community down there. And that pulled me into a world that I had no idea existed. Um, because I had always just ridden for the pure pleasure of it. And, uh, you know, went, deep down a rabbit hole, uh, in terms of learning the cycling world and, uh, got really into racing for the better part of a decade. Um, went on to sort of parlay that into a career, a short stint at, at specialized, went on to run Amazon cycling, uh, business within their broader outdoor business and then on to REI. So I sort of took what was just a, you know, pure pleasure as a kid, uh, and then became an absolute obsession as an adult, uh, <laughs> and turned it into a career. So it's, it lit- literally permeates every corner of my life. I sort of, uh, live to ride. And I would say that as I've gotten older, um, and maybe less fast <laughs> <laughs> or less concerned, less concerned about being fast, um, uh, I still just have an absolute joy for being out on the bike and, and f- seeing and covering a lot of territory. And so uh, that's sort of the passion that I bring with me to REI. is just, you know, people always ask me, well, what do you like to ride most? And I just sort of say anything with pedals, um, <laughs> I can find some some joy in, in riding.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think like the move from, I mean, Specialized and then eventually landing at REI kind of is a good arc for being in that serious race environment to REI is... You know, much more about like the joy of the ride, I feel like. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, that definitely leads into bike packing. So, you guys recently kind of relaunched the Co op Cycles adventure bikes for bike packing. So, I guess, I don't know how, how did that end up happening with REI? What made them think, okay, bike packing, that's the next big thing?
2: Well, I think, uh, Well, the the easy answer is we've had some heritage on sort of the traditional touring side. And um, the relaunch of Co-op Cycles was was really part and parcel of, of asking and answering some of the brutal truths about our cycling business. And the thing I like to say, as I was fresh eyes at REI two and a half years ago, is, to a degree we've lost our way as a cycling retailer. And the example I use to sort of paint that picture is we've gotten into triathlon and uh, (laughs) you you sort of think about that as an activity and you think about REI co-op and those two things just don't seem to fit together. And so, you know, as we sort of took a step back from our business and asked, you know, where do we have authority and credible authority? Uh, anything on the trail, on the dirt was absolutely uh, our, you know, sort of a domain that our, our customer trusts us in. And so then as we looked out at the broader landscape and to your point, like what is just the absolute, you know uh, you know, personification of the joy of cycling sort of this idea of adventure really surfaced for us um, as a personal passion. And, you know, I think there's sort of a trend right now in the industry adopting adventure and, you know, sort of, uh, the gravel, uh, you know, riding thing, heating up. But I think we take a little bit different ownership of the word adventure and that we sort of view every bike ride as a, as a potential adventure. And so anything from your urban commute to your ride around the neighborhood to, you know, your multi, you know, overnight on a trail, uh, we feel like we can we can you know credibly own and to a degree outfit you better than any other retailer um, and sort of the other anecdote i I often use is, as we were uh, engaging salsa to bring them into our assortment, um, the thing that sort of turned on a light bulb for us was they they would tell us every time they saw us that nearly every one of their adventures, and this is the product team um, at salsa. Started at an REI, they would travel with their bikes. First stop off the plane was REI to pick up their, you know, their camp fuel and their various sundries to head out on the trail for overnights. And so, um, you know, it was equal parts a bit of heritage and then the broader industry just pointing to us and saying, "Man, there is nowhere else better to to get anything from your, you know, camp gear to your carry gear to your bike." Uh, than an REI. And so uh, it was a very comfortable sort of territory for us to push further into. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I mean, even during our trip, I was, you know, chatting with Ian about like, you know what's coming next in terms of like the bags and all of that stuff and it's awesome that you guys can make bags that actually are kind of meant to carry this you know x y and z pieces of rei gear like this sleeping bag this tent like these are the best setup for bike packing so you can kind of one-stop shop which i love
2: yeah and, and airing a little bit of our own dirty laundry is here. We've got the, this, this deep experience in sort of the cut and sew side, you know, of, of gear creation that, you know, the tents, the bags, uh, pads, sleeping bags. Uh, and then we've got this cycle team, uh, that developed the bikes, but oddly, uh, uh, as an organization, the two didn't sort of cross pollinate a lot. And so, uh, you know, I'm getting a a really unique opportunity as I now have the entirety of those teams, uh, you know, reporting to me to to push the two together and, and see what kind of interesting product we can create as a as a larger group. So that's that's super exciting for me. Uh, and I know the team is also equally excited to push into that territory.
0: I love that. All right, let's back up and just talk about why go bikepacking. Like, for someone like me who was utterly unconvinced, what is the awesomeness that is bikepacking?
2: Well, I'm going to answer it for me, and then I'm going to answer it more broadly. Um, I sort of came to it through the more traditionalist lens of I'd spend a fair amount of time backpacking, and so I, I know and have known what it's like to be out on multiple overnights entirely self-sustained um, away from the hustle and bustle of daily life and going somewhat slowly on foot. I think the real magic for me of bike packing is sort of what I said earlier of you can cover so much diverse territory on a bike mm-hmm. and it can be anything from sort of multi multimodal where you might be living in an urban center and like Seattle, you know, we're downtown Seattle. Hop a ferry, hit the pavement, and end up on a gravel, you know, road by the end of the day. And you've covered, you know, many miles and a lot of changing sort of scenery uh, while you're doing that. And then drop camp, uh, spend the night, and turn around and come back. And so it's it's sort of that magic of uh, on the on the bike packing front, longer distances, self sustained. Uh, and seeing the world from the saddle of a bike, I sort of would venture to say there's nothing better than that. You know, for, for us as a retailer, um, we're, we're conscious of, you know, creating product that really is accessible to all, uh, all comers. And so whether that's your very first experience to, you know, just deeply immersed in the bike packing experience, you know, we think it's just sort of that spirit of adventure of, you know, literally what you need to have a good time, uh, on a bike packing trip is some sort some way to carry, uh, a bike to carry it on and and take you over the distance. And like we said earlier, probably a good chamois for comfort, but it's, (laughs) it's such a low barrier to entry activity. Um, that to us is the the true magic for our broader audience of like, don't overcomplicate it, just get out there and experience what, uh, what some time on the bike and, and potentially, you know, camping by bike can, can what that experience can be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think what I like about it too, is realizing, you know, you can have very diverse fitness levels. You can have five people, some of them, you know, like a couple kids, whatever, and you can still go yep. bike pack together and like be going at the yep. same pace. And, you know, maybe somebody has, sure. to, you know, I'll raise my hand here has to go for a run when they get to camp because they need more of a workout. But Everyone's well yeah doing. and you're
2: <laughs> y- yeah and you're hitting on something that is probably the real pure magic of it is uh it's inherently social and you know like i mentioned my my background in in racing while there is a social aspect around that uh the entirety of the activity when you're bikepacking is is social so you're having great life conversations or gear conversations while you're rolling along seeing the world and uh gosh that's uh that's a recipe for just like I said, sort of pure magic.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I'll say on this trip, I've never been on a trip with a bunch of journalists where we sat around the campfire and talked about like philosophy and religion and like our relationships <laughs> and all of this stuff. You know, I was I was telling I think Rob um, as we were riding on the last day, I was like, I've never been on a press trip or any trip with other cyclists where I haven't been dying you know trying to like keep up with a group or to like show off to a group or you know whatever (laughs) so to be on this just okay everybody at their own pace like super chill we're chatting we're having deep thoughts it was the coolest most different thing for someone from the like the very race oriented side of cycling
2: well, and i would go so far as to say that's like equal parts the the uh, uniqueness of the bike packing experience and also just the uniqueness of you know REI as a as a retailer and as a group of people like that you sort of experienced who we are uh, as people behind the product too so it was
0: really uh, cool. i'm
2: glad you said that yeah i loved great. it
0: okay so you know, somebody listening to this wants to plan a bike packing trip, but has just no idea where to begin with it. I mean, I know when I think of bike packing, it's, you know, very heavy weighted down bikes with a ton of mm. gear. And, you know, it's a little intimidating. I started trying to make like a packing list for what you'd need to be self sustained for a night. And, you yeah. know, I'm kind of a princess. So it got really long really yeah. fast. And I was like, oh crap. So yeah, how do I begin?
2: I mean, I think, uh, it, it depends. You can, you can be the optimizer, uh, so to speak, and really want to have all bases covered. But, you know, I would tell you, like, we took a group from, uh, from our co-op brands team, um, on the gear side who didn't have deep experience in bike packing. And, you know, one of the things we did was plan sort of an urban overnight where worst case scenario, there was a pub, a convenience store down the street and so you know (laughs) in in terms of like getting into it just just discovering how uh how easy it can be I sort of go back to it's as simple as you know walk through the doors of an REI find a great waterproof stuff sack and a way to lash it onto the bike you've already got and your bike packing then if you want to optimize from there it's sort of like yeah. to your point is it more about luxury or is it more about efficiency and then you know that sort of splits into lightweight carry options and sort of a similar approach to what what I would call lightweight you know backpacking looks like Mm -hmm. or that more sort of car camping style but on a bike where you're just carrying literally the kitchen sink so that you're you're absolutely comfortable uh while you're out and about and um you know it's like like I said walk through the door of an REI and we've got sort of all all levels of that type of gear it's just um sort of to your point what are your needs um but keep it simple just get out there and try it and uh i think it it sort of naturally takes two people like you experienced on the trip with us
0: Mm -hmm. yeah for sure um and so i mean if you had to kind of call other than a stuff sack what would some of the other primary pieces of gear so we've got a bike we've got a stuff sack and it's lashed on but what would you put in that stuff sack if you had to pick like five things?
2: Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's going to, uh, if I'm doing an overnight, it's going to go a couple of directions. Uh, first is going to be just your repair kit. So say you've got a, you've got a flat out on the road or you need to do a chain repair or something of that sort. Um, making sure you've got that piece so that your, your ride can be maintained. Uh, and then the secondary piece pieces are going to be sort of your sleep system. So, uh, a nice stuffable uh, sleep pad sleeping bag depending on if you're in a in a climate that requires it but just a way to be uh, sleeping outdoors that's comfortable if you need a shelter there are ways to get that on a bike as well so lightweight uh, uh, bike packing or backpacking tent and then you know beyond that for me it really becomes about off the bike comfort so it's going to be those those layers or footwear that you're going to want to like drop your, your cycling shoes for the night and slip into a pair of, uh, of sort of camp shoes and maybe, a uh, a down layer to keep you, uh, keep you warm when the temps drop, when the sun goes down. And, uh, so that's sort of the way I break it down. Um, I would probably put adjacent to that, you know, sort of your, your kit for, for food and, people go sort of one of two ways. Either it's prepared stuff that you're not going to actually be doing any cooking. So you're just pulling it out of a bag and enjoying whatever it is. Or if you want to, you know, go so far as to, to cook while you're out overnight, carrying a lightweight camp stove, some cook fuel. You know, you can even even come to us and get some of the prepackaged food if that's your, if that's your choice. Um, But you know, that part sort of depends for me. I think I've seen bikepackers get to their food source a lot of different ways. And so that one tends to be, have the most variance.
0: Yeah, for sure. Although I don't think I could go without a camp stove because without that, there is no coffee in the morning. And... Yeah, yeah, fair. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of a make it or break it for me, for sure. Um... Yeah,
2: I, I'm I'm a coffee uh, optimizer, so I'm right there with you on that one. <laughs>
0: And then, so what about the bike? I mean, obviously, the you know best bike is the one that you currently can ride, like the the one you can ride. Um, but sure. if you know, if I say like, okay, I want to get a bike packing bike, what what are some of the things to be looking for in that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the the simple things sort of uh, go back to what you were saying about the the pace of a bike packing ride generally, and that is generous gearing, um, because you're going to be carrying a little more weight than you're probably used to on a bike. Um, and so, you know, anything from a, a wide range, one, one by setup to, uh, a lower geared two by setup tends to be sort of what we think is, is optimal. Um, and then probably second most important to gearing is, uh, you know, tire, uh, Less so diameter, but definitely uh, you know width and and volume. So uh, a little little larger volume tire is going to equate to comfort and sort of a confident um, traction when you're carrying more weight on the bike. And and then I go to surface and whether or not you need a knobby or not. Uh, it sort of depends on how much pavement versus trail you're going to be doing. Optimize your your tire tread choice for for that piece. Mm-hmm. And then the third is, uh, sort of connection points. So, uh, in some cases, more is better. Uh, multiple racks, uh, are a way to go if you're really looking to to load up and, and go multi overnight. But with sort of the advent of, uh, frame bags, you can also just plug a frame bag into your, you know, your front diamond, lash, a. uh, uh, holster onto your handlebar and and get plenty of gear out there or a or a large saddle bag and get plenty of gear out there so it that one in terms of carry really for me depends on um, how confident you are as a as a bike handler and where you want the weight to sit relative to yourself on the bike and that's one that um, I sort of recommend to people to you know, beg, borrow, and steal other people's gear to feel feel what it feels like to be loaded and get an idea of what what optimal is for you in terms of the carry solution or system.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. So my most embarrassing moment of this trip happened about a mile in when we hit, like, a tiny little climb, and, like, I loaded my bike down, like... The rear rack had the stuff sack lashed on top, two completely stuffed panniers. Like, we're talking, like, muscle got those things closed. They did not want to close. Full frame bag, full handlebar bag, but most of the weight was in the rear. And i go up this tiny popper of a climb and do what I've done for a decade and stand up to take a pedal stroke and immediately just dump it. And I'm just like, uh, oh, this is really how I want uh, people to see me in the first mile. mile—is like the <laughs> girl that can't handle her bike. Uh, so I probably overcompensated for the last, you know, two days of it, but yeah, it was yeah, pretty embarrassing. <laughs> it,
2: it, it's a learning curve. And I think one of the things that sometimes not counter and or that is counterintuitive is, you know, the, the typical commute solution has always put the panniers on the back and, you know, I, I would tell you from a bit of experience, I uh, find that having that weight up front, even though my steering is a little more sluggish, uh, ends up being the thing that lets me handle the bike with a bit more confidence. And again, that's personal preference, but I think it's certainly worth, it if you're thinking about getting into it and optimizing carry solutions, like try a bunch to see where you feel most comfortable with the weight relative to your, to your bike and Uh, you know you're an experienced cyclist so you know how you want it to handle and I think just getting a feel for that with weight is important
0: yeah exactly and I mean honestly by the end of day one I loved it and I was totally happy with it I just had to figure out how to make it handle or like how to navigate handling it I guess so yeah it will not handle like your you know (laughs) all your other bikes at home (laughs) for sure Mm,
2: definitely not yeah
0: um, so I do want to get to the kind of campy side of this because I feel like I'm like, okay, I can ride a bike and, you know, so can most yep. of our listeners, but we're not all so good at the camping and stuff. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was, was the eating. So, I mean, for you, what mistakes do you, do you see, or do you think that bike packers or touring cyclists are making from an eating perspective? So I'll throw out that. Mm-hmm. I think my biggest one is that I see people, and I saw it on this trip, people, crushing stuff like trail mix and really dry foods and then not drinking anywhere near enough water so you get that horrible like gut cramping.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I sort of take the mentality, well, and I'll sort of start out by saying the the mistake that I see a lot of people that I know make is sort of coming from the uh, more race nutrition orientation Mm. and you're just pounding things that uh, on a multi-day tour you, you might use during a short two hour race, but aren't appropriate for multi overnight. And so I would tell you where I go generally is like real food and eating like you would over time off the bike is generally sort of the safest bet. Um, and then for me, it becomes a little bit about sort of the conditions you're in. So if it's cold at night, you're probably going to want some warm you know, whole foods of some sort. And, and then that st- starts to bleed into, you know, are you carrying cook gear as well? But yeah, mm-hmm. I find, you know, y- your sort of normal everyday nutrition has a place when you're bikepacking because it's, it's sort of the same duration. And uh, as long as it's carryable, eat what you would eat during a normal day.
0: Yeah, I love that. it's definitely this thing where, yeah, everyone is going for the, the cliff bars and all of the different bars. And yeah, they definitely have a place there, but let's, let's maybe throw in a salad or something where, where, where it can get thrown in.
2: Yeah. And the beauty of like all the carry gear that's out there is you've got quick access. So you want to stuff an apple or a banana or, you know, whatever it is in a, in a pocket, you can get to it on the fly. And, uh, Mm -hmm. just having that, that natural food out in the, out in the world is, uh, is a pretty nice thing. And then to your point, especially since you guys were recently, you know, out in the Southern Arizona desert with us, water is critical. Um, either carrying a hydration bladder and making sure you've got enough bottles on the bike that if you're covering a lot of distance, um, you've got plenty of, plenty of water to hydrate. And then you'll see a lot of bike packers that are in more remote places carrying their water filters with them. So you can pull fresh water, you know, from whatever your water source is as you're navigating a trail
0: yeah i thought everyone that showed up with the hydration packs was crazy but by the end of it i was kind of eyeing them like oh no i'd much rather have that like there's extra storage on that thing like it's easier to drink yeah yeah seemed like a way better idea by the end yeah um and then what about camping any any tips for yeah getting getting through the night
2: (laughs) yeah i mean i think that one comes down to uh probably the most critical piece of gear is your sleeping pad. And that's another great thing to spend an afternoon in an REI and try the myriad of pads that we offer. You know, you can optimize for weight if you want it to back down small, you can optimize for uh, comfort if you want to, you know, have a luxurious sleep through the night, or you can find something right in the middle. But that, that piece of equipment for me, if you literally don't have accommodations, you're sleeping on the ground, your sleeping pad is your, you know, insulation source. It's, uh, it's your comfort source. It's, uh, it's the thing that is, is going to make your experience uh, outdoors uh, as good as it can be.
0: Yeah. I couldn't believe what a difference it made because I actually, I had one for this trip and I took it away for like an hour when I woke up in the morning, I was just laying in bed and I was like, oh, I wonder how I'd be without the sleeping pad. Miserable is the answer. It was awful. (laughs) I I could not believe the difference. (laughs) So yeah, that's, that's one that I will always make room for, even if it means I can't bring a third pair of shoes.
2: Yeah. The right, the right sleeping pad makes the worst Piece of, uh, of of earth feel absolutely like your your the comfort of your own bed. So mm-hmm. uh, spend your spend your time optimizing that, and then figure out temperature through you know whatever you throw over your body or put yourself in. You know if it's a sleeping bag or a, or an insulated blanket or whatever it is.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and then, are there any major mistakes that you see? bikepackers or, I guess, campers in general making? I mean, I imagine anyone that works at an REI sees a lot of people come in kind of sheepish and admitting things about their last camping trip.
2: Well, I think it's, uh, one, it can be uh, sort of going all in right out of the gate. And uh, like any activity, giving yourself sort of the benefit of a couple of short trips with a way to bail out um, is a good way to figure out what, systems work for you in terms of what you're carrying and what you use for your overnight. So, you know, I, I, we would encourage people to plan small for those sort of first few trips and, and start to optimize if you're going to plan a multi overnight. And then on the, on the multi overnight, I, the one sort of consistent mistake we see people make is just carrying too much. And so you really have to tune, you know, how much luxury do you want to bring with you versus, uh, you know how efficient do you want to be, and how far are you going? And um, so it, that that that's a bit of an art, and sort of is unique by individual. But um, giving yourself those shorter, low-risk opportunities to learn into that is is uh, a great way to start.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, my next question was going to be, what can people do before a trip? And I mean, that kind of lends itself to what you've been saying, where it's you know checking out different sleeping pads, getting used to it you know, doing like the shorter mini trips. Um, Anything else you
2: can think of? Yeah. For me going beyond that, it's like a little bit of the packing and unpacking of all of your gear. Like nothing can, nothing can ruin a great bike packing trip. Like finding out that there's a Velcro strap on your frame bag that sits right in the path of your knee or whatever it is. And it's like just making sure that everything sort of nests nicely together once you get it on the bike and that you've got a good system for accessing food on the fly if you need it grabbing layers if conditions change and then how is it to basically pull your entire camp setup off your bike get it set up and and put it back on and just you know there can be some fun and You know, getting if you're planning a a trip with friends, just get a group together and like literally go through the pack and unpack uh, and and see what each other are doing and how you're optimizing. um, Because that uh, that that's sort of the learning that you don't necessarily want to be doing out on the trail, uh, especially if conditions get a little uh, tenuous. Uh, You don't want to be making you know bad decisions in a rainstorm. Um, So learning through that a little bit ahead of time is definitely worthwhile.
0: Yeah.
2: And in fact, you know, REI uh, on occasion offers curriculum around those things. So, you know, our outdoor programs teams run uh, run clinics where they both teach you about the the gear that you'll need and sort of take you through that, that uh, packing and unpacking piece. So there is some degree of familiarity.
0: Okay, I love that. Uh, yeah, I, I know for me, I like I said, I overstuffed the crap out of my rear bags. And as said, mm-hmm. every time we stopped, I was basically exploding all of my possessions uh, into my yeah. tent once I set it up. So I learned my lesson because I didn't even use half the stuff that I had packed and what I needed I couldn't find most of the time so
2: my my personal greatest pet peeve is other people's saddlebags on bike packing trips and there's (laughs) if you if you watch enough social media of bike packing uh you see people with these giant uh rear of bike bags that just swing left and right as they're rolling down the trail and if you're the guy or gal behind whoever that is it uh one is a little scary and two is just annoying so i my one of my like Personal like hyper optimizations is I found myself a rear a bike bag that like you can stuff it full and it doesn't move and I sort of view that as a courtesy to my my fellow riders. Yeah,
0: for sure. <laughs> I guess on that note, are there any other like? rude things i guess that someone can act, like could accidentally do on a bike packing trip and i mean this one might really nicely lead into my question of let's talk about poop and how you handle it in a no facility mm. area <laughs>
2: yeah i mean i think the first one sort of to my original point is like uh the, the the number one courtesy when you're packing your bike back up is to make sure whatever you're packing stays that way because again, if you're bombing down a trail with somebody and you drop your bag off the back of a bike, they're likely going to run over it. So, Mm -hmm. uh, double and triple checking that piece is, uh, is, is pretty important. You know, to your other point, uh, poop in the outdoors is just like, just like with bike packing, making sure you're prepared, you know, one to, uh, pack out if you have to, but two to, to bury if you need to. So, uh, you know, the all of the relative tools, relevant tools, uh, we've got it at REI, and uh, we're well-versed uh, through the backpacking lens. So it's, it's virtually the same experience.
0: Yeah, I've never had a trowel on a packing list before this trip, <laughs> I will say. Uh, and I was really, yeah, I was shocked by those. Uh, what are the bags that you pack in and pack out? They're like silver?
2: Oh, I don't know the name of them.
0: Shoot, I can't remember the name of them, but that was definitely an experience, we'll say.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'll oftentimes see two things strapped on the outside of of people's bags, and that's the bright orange trowel that everybody knows and loves from from backpacking and uh, a pair of flip-flops.
0: Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like the flip-flops. I did not have those, and I wish I had.
2: Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
0: All right. Any other pet peeves other than I think the other one would just be like showing up unprepared for anything, whether it's like having a charger for your phone with like the little spare charger thing or not bringing your own coffee if you're going to want some or anything along those lines.
2: Yeah. The one thing that I think of in addition is like, especially in a trail environment, courtesy of other, uh, other travelers, whether it's people on horse or, or backpack, like having a, having a, a, a bell on your handlebar that can be heard is just a nice courtesy to announce that you're coming. And, um, it's something that I see a lot and, and personally have on my bike just to, you know, so you aren't sneaking up on anybody and you've got kind of a, a an agreeable way to, to announce your presence other than, you know, locking up the brakes and and skidding into their presence. So uh, (laughs) that that piece can be important depending on where you are.
0: That's a great one. Um, And then, okay, so this is all in this ideal scenario where we never have bad weather and, you know, we always have a tree to poop behind, but what about when the weather (laughs) turns on us? (laughs) Any tips for, I guess, what to bring or how to handle bad weather?
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, this is where, especially of gear designer's materials really matter to us. And so waterproof, breathable, uh, anything is your friend in this environment uh, because you're going to be both sweating and stri- trying to stay dry at the same time. So a really good packable rain shell uh, or, you know, uh, a DWR treated, you know, wind shell can be absolutely critical. Uh, wool, anything is magical for the bikepacking experience because, you know, it's sort of naturally anti-odor. It dries quickly. Um, so anything from wool socks to a wool Jersey, um, can be an absolute benefit. And then, you know, we always are looking for ways to optimize shelter if you need it in a pinch. So anything from a lightweight tarp, uh, to a trash bag, honestly, um, To make sure that you've got something in an emergency if the if the weather gets bad but um yeah just thinking about um you know especially in our our western environments the weather can change so quickly uh you know planning for light snow or hail or 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 rain is is critical Um, Mm -hmm. and doubly doubly so if you're staying out overnight so you know, we've got a myriad of tents that'll get you through the worst of conditions, but it's sort of that on-the-fly stuff that um, I think sometimes people forget about uh, potentially needing.
0: Yeah. I don't think you're ever going to be upset that you brought a tarp with you. I think that's just one no. of the easiest things to carry that will almost always come in handy somehow. I mean, even if you just need yep. to like make an emergency slip and slide at some point, because it's really hot <laughs> are you're, you're ready.
2: <laughs> totally.
0: Um, and then actually, this kind of leads me to uh, bike security while bike packing is something that I've been thinking a lot about. Do you have any tips oh, yeah. for how to keep your bike secure while you're at camp?
2: Um, I mean, really small, uh, lightweight cable locks are, are, an, are an easy inconvenience for somebody that might, you know, wander in and want to make off with some of your stuff. And the <laughs> other thing worth looking for is a lot of times, um, you know, touring bags and uh, to a lesser degree, bike packing bags will have security loops on them. So you can run that cable sort of through and around your gear and make sure that, you know, like I said, no no bag wanders off. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, especially when you're making stops and you're, you're loaded down, a lot of people will, will actually want to pull their bags off the bike and carry them into a coffee shop or whatever it is. And that's sort of the best safeguard. Um, but the other is just Super lightweight cable lock, run it through every loop you can find. So it becomes more an inconvenience for someone even considering trying to make off with your with your stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly. And as I was writing a piece about kind of like the key gear you need for bikepacking, and I was saying the upside of bringing a hydration pack is that you can keep your phone, your wallet, your passport. Like yeah. the really key stuff can be in there and always attached to you. Yeah. Versus in your veneer that could, you know, get taken away with your bike if, if the worst should happen, so.
2: Yeah, I'll oftentimes, at a bare minimum, make sure that a credit card or cash and my phone are on me, and that way, if you know, things are really in a pinch and everything else disappears, I've got hopefully a way to get a hold of somebody or a way to sort of buy my way out of a situation, so. Yeah. Uh, separating separating some of those critical things can be important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, okay. So the kind of last thing before I ask about crazy stories you've had is I wondered if you had any tips for when you do get to your campsite at the end of the day, I mean, we're, we're cyclists. We're used to foam rolling and protein smoothies and, you know, doing our gentle yoga flow or whatever after our (laughs) bike ride, not setting up camp. Any tips for dealing with the, the sore legs and tired bodies at the end of the day?
2: Well, uh, dealing with the setting up is bring more people than you're sharing the love, uh, to get camp set up. Mm-hmm. But, uh, in terms of like just tiredness and soreness, like I, I always talk sort of a little Ziploc, uh, or, you know, like pop container of Advil and I'll find even if I'm mid ride, you know, popping a couple of Advil just to keep the the legs from being too sore is, is pretty nice. And then the other is like, cold water sources, uh, as long as temperatures outside allow it, like getting submerged in a nice, uh, a nice stream, uh, with some cold water, it does, does wonders for, uh, for sort of recovery from tired legs from a long day out touring. So, uh, that can be a a, a nice benefit.
0: Um, also the people sharing your tent will thank you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, totally. The other thing, uh, back bike packers are generally known to do is, find the deepest darkest recess of a bag and tuck a cold beverage in there somewhere. So, uh, mm. that's always worth the extra weight in my opinion.
0: Mhm. Yeah. I was thinking more a flask of something, but <laughs>
2: yeah, either will work, whatever, whatever your poison.
0: And I happen to know that REI does in fact have camp flasks. I have, I've many a time.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, Okay. And then actually my last gear question is just that I'm looking for a stove recommendation as someone who doesn't plan on cooking a lot, just really needs the morning coffee. What would you recommend tiny stove wise?
2: Yeah, oh, man. See, uh, I sort of err on a, a little bit of speed. So, uh, anything that'll attach a, a jet boil, uh, you know, sort of high volume to it mm. means that I'm getting heat faster. So, uh, that tends to be the way I, I err, but anything MSR makes is super lightweight, comes with a small container, is can pack down. It, it was originally built for backpacking, and so uh, there there isn't an MSR stove I wouldn't recommend, and they're all generally very small.
0: Yeah, that's actually the one that got recommended the most when I asked about this, but I figured I'd ask the person who is around this stuff fairly frequently.
2: Yeah, I've got a, like I said, I, I over optimize on this one. I tend to carry a fuel canister and a jet boil cause I can get boiling water in, you know, under a minute and, uh, then my coffee's coming faster.
0: Mm, I just make my husband get up earlier than me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we all have our methods.
0: Yep. Yep. <laughs> all right. What is the craziest or coolest bikepacking adventure that you've been on?
2: Yeah, I think the the one that comes to mind was uh a group of us partially from REI uh and then just our broader circle of cycling friends did a multi-overnight on the the north end of the Olympic Peninsula last year. There's a absolutely a wonderful trail uh called the Olympic Discovery Trail up there that is both paved, has some really cool wood bridges through the through the trees and then uh gets into some dirt single track on the far end and uh, just sort of that sort of magic experience of uh, as we turned around coming back on that trip, being on the coast, sun coming up over the water and, you know, six of my my good cycling buddies rolling fully loaded uh, gravel bikes on a path in the morning was like one of those memories that will stick in, in my head for all time. It's just, uh, it's it's an amazing experience and the type of thing where, you get to the end of the trip and you just want to keep going. You can imagine staying out when you're out doing a trip like that. So, uh, yeah, that, that's the one that uh, I will remember forever, for sure.
0: I feel like you just sold bikepacking to our whole audience with that description. <laughs> Everyone's just like, wow, I really want that moment. I don't get that in races.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, just, just give it a try. You'll never come home.
0: I love it. Okay, where can people find all of this cool gear? Because I love any excuse to have to redo my gear closet.
2: Well, uh, come see a green vest at any REI or REI.com. We've got uh, everything you need, need to outfit you head to toe and, and the bike and beyond. So yeah, come come let us show you the way.
0: I love it. And I have to give another plug for REI adventures. Cause I had such a great time with them. That's, that's what converted me here. So I think that's, that, that's my next tip would be like, if you are so nervous about bike packing that you can't fathom doing it yourself, trying it with a guide first was awesome. Yep. Yeah.
2: Our adventures and outdoor programs teams are the best of REI. And uh, like you said about sort of the experience of sitting around a campfire and talking philosophy, uh, if, if, you want to experience that? Uh, come hang out with our our OpPO guides or our adventures teams.
0: So good. Awesome. Well thank you so much this, is, this has reinvigorated my excitement about bike packing, so
2: yeah, go go plan your next trip and come see us if you need anything.
0: Awesome Hey guys, before you go, we just wanted to have one quick word from our sponsor, Health IQ.
1: Health IQ is a life insurance company that helps the consummate athlete like you save money on your life insurance
0: to find out more you can check out health iq.com slash capod that's c-a-p-o-d for all the details and to take a free quiz thanks so much for listening to this episode of the consummate athlete podcast to check out all of the show notes for this show go to consummateathlete.com and to follow along with our various adventures on the social medias you can check us out on facebook at facebook.com slash consummate or follow me molly herford at molly j herford on twitter and instagram
1: and i'm at peter glassford on twitter and instagram
0: And if you could do us a huge favor and rate and review the podcast over on iTunes, that helps us bring on more guests, you know, get more episodes out and do more cool stuff. So we would be forever grateful.
1: And if you're looking for coaching for endurance sport or just for health and wellness, uh, you can check out smartathlete.ca. And for amazing outdoor content, you can check out theoutdooredit.com. Aw, honey. And that's theoutdooredit.com for Molly Herford's writing and all things outdoors.
0: Alright, thank you so much for listening guys and we'll see you next time.